0: I really feel that every serious hunter needs Onyx on their phone because I I know Onyx is a mapping system, but I look at Onyx like a journal, where you can document everything that you see while you're out in the timber. You can document uh, scrapes and rubs and tree stand locations, trail camera locations, uh, bedding areas, and you can look at the terrain features through the contour lines of the topographic map you can look at the vegetation from the satellite imagery you can look at the hybrid combination of both and you add all these data points up together and now what you have is a visualization of where you need to be hunting on specific wind directions which is also on onyx and uh, it's just something that it's a one-stop shop for data Uh, in data collection and for me i i can now look at especially on my whitetail hunting spots i can look back and say i had an encounter here i had an encounter here um on a on this wind i noticed there's a big rub or a scrape line on this ridge and i've documented all of that so it makes everything more efficient my decision making process of which tree stand to hunt more efficient If you want to find more information about Onyx, visit your local app store and just download it, or you can go to onyxmaps.com. And if you want to purchase, use the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N-20, and first-time users will save 20%. Mic check, mic check. We are rocking and rolling here on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. And thank you for listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Man, we got a really cool episode today, and I'm going to be talking with... Marcus Ewing and Marcus is a business owner, and his business is called the Average Conservationist. And if you haven't already heard the Average Conservationist commercials on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, you should know that they are now a new partner of this episode. Now, this isn't just a a whoring out of an episode where I you know, just talk to you all about their company and their products uh, because that's part of the deal, which it is, right? But um, Marcus has a really unique story. And the best part about his apparel company here is that he gives 10% of the profit to conservation efforts. Now... Uh, name another outdoor company that is doing that. I'll uh, wait. You can't. I, I, I'm I pretty sure there are no other companies doing that. So I felt that this dude is walking the walk and that is why I wanted to partner with him. And uh, again, why I wanted him to get on this episode and kind of explain to us the thought process of giving 10% of your income to uh you know some of these great uh, organizations that we all kind of uh, know about through the uh, the sportsman's nation and uh, through other work that other people have done but uh, Marcus is gonna uh, chit chat with us we're gonna talk to him about how he got into hunting and fly fishing and his love for the outdoors and then on the back end we you know we get into the average conservationist about the company and everything in between so really good episode and today who's our commercial buy? It's with Onyx. No, Onyx, Ozonix. Sometimes I get a little confused. (laughs) Ozonix, 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 Ozonix. You guys have heard me talk about these these units, right? These O3 units that you bring into the tree. They blow ozone out into the woods. Um, You've heard me talk about how I use ozone in my scent regimen, uh, through Ozonics and their dry wash bag. And I'm telling you right now, you need, everybody looks at the price and they say, Oh, that's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. And you're right. It is a, it is still cheaper than a brand new bow. But you know, if you want one of their higher end models, you're looking at spending about 450 bucks and, or excuse me, 550 bucks. And to, if you if you look at that as one big in one big uh, what am I trying to say here one big purchase yes five hundred and fifty bucks is a lot of money but if you take that and you put that into uh, into the tree with you and you save money on washing your clothes you have more encounters while you're in the tree you um, like this year hunted fourteen days straight. And I washed my clothes one time only because I had mud on them, right? That is how I believe, how strongly I believe in ozone and Ozonics and what they do, not only in the tree, but back at camp too, when you're dry washing your clothes, that is, that is my scent regimen. I don't get dressed out in the timber. I wear my hunting clothes from my camp in my truck out to the field. And I know that they're fresh and clean because the dry wash bag did its job, and when I'm out in the tree, my, my backside is protected. My downwind side is protected because I, you know, I, I have an Ozonics in the tree with me. And I, it's one of those products that uh, I think their motto back in the day used to be uh, an aha moment. And it, it really does take a moment like that to not, you know, to, to justify this product right? So if you know a friend who has one and is willing to share with you or, you know, at least try it out, do that, man. I know uh season's over, you know, for most of you guys, but now is the perfect time to start saving for an Ozonix, man. I'm not trying to sit here and bullshit you. It is a very, very good product. It does its job and, um, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about it right now, but uh, it's really something that I, I think that could, You know, a lot of companies claim, hey, dude, we can change the way you hunt. I literally think that this doesn't necessarily change the way you hunt. It just makes you better at what you're already doing. Uh, So... Take that with a grain of salt. And uh, OzonicsHunting.com is the website. If you do decide to purchase, you can enter the discount code NFC19. And when you purchase an HR300, an HR230, or the Orion, you are going to get a free dry wash bag. And I think that's a value of like a 100 bucks or something like that. So uh, take, that, take that into consideration as well. We're done with the commercial. Marcus Ewing average conservationist really good episode for a monday let's uh get right into it man all right everybody on the phone with me right now mr marcus ewing marcus what's up man
1: how you doing dan good to uh finally talk to you
0: yeah absolutely man um and there's a, a whole big connection ball of yarn big fat knot that we're going to be talking about today that is um your your company the average conservationist how we we've been working back and forth with each other how you're now a a partner of this podcast and kind of I'll talk a little bit about what excited me about your brand but before we get into that big long story I want to go all the way back to the very beginning and I want to ask you if you can remember your very first hunting or fishing related memory?,
1: Whew, that's a great question. Um, I would say my very first, let's just call it outdoor experience um, in general was with it was it involved fishing. Uh, and it was bass fishing with my dad when I was probably six, maybe seven, I would say that's that's the one that that really stands out to me. Um, just, a a small little lake, uh, by where I grew up. And what really jogs that memory is I have a, a picture that's still floating around somewhere with, with my mom of, uh, holding probably a, you know, 12, 13 inch, uh, bass or something like that. So that's kind of the one that really sticks out to me the most, um, as far as my first outdoor uh, experience. Gotcha.
0: Do you come from a fishing family then? I mean, did you guys spend a lot of time outside fishing and, and like being nature lovers, I guess you could say?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I spent uh, a large part of my youth hunting and fishing um, with my dad and with my uncle. Um, I would say I probably didn't start really hunting um, till I was probably like my early teens, um, but a lot of fishing... Um, growing up, it was just it was less expensive to to take me fishing than probably to take me hunting, and it was a little bit easier um, to give me a fishing rod than a gun. I yeah. would say if you're if you're a parent, so yeah, a lot of that we did a lot of camping, uh, things like that. So I spent yeah a, a good amount of time outdoors, and and I would say that a lot of that passion or the the love for it really came from from my dad. Yeah,
0: gotcha. So when you were a kid, uh, were you the kid who begged his dad to go fishing all the time or was it something that was kind of uh you weren't really gun-ho about it but you were excited to go whenever he would ask you
1: yeah i would say the latter i would say i wasn't always knocking down his door to say hey let me go fishing let's go fishing let's go fishing right but i was always excited right when when we would go and he spent so much time doing it that it wasn't like we would go you know months or or years between you know fishing trips or something like that i mean I know that there was a a time where I have an older sister where, you know, one day he would take me out fishing with him. And then maybe like a couple days later, he would take my sister out with us. So he was out enough that we kind of we got a a good dose of it. Right. We didn't really, I guess, uh, long for it for too long, for for too much before we were able to get back out.
0: Right. Right. So um, was that a family affair or was it just you and your
1: dad? Uh, just me and my dad, I would say for the most part.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then as you got older, uh, did you do more and more of it or did you fall into the routine of, okay, here comes sports, here comes other interests in life. And then the fishing and any of that out, the outdoor activities kind of took a backseat.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. I've heard you ask some of your, some of your other guests that before too. And, and I think I probably fall into the same categories. A lot of people as once I got into high school, um, while I still spent time hunting and fishing, uh, it took a little bit of a backseat. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, 15, 16 year old kid. I mean, they don't want to, I mean, there's, there's guys out there that want to spend time hunting and fishing, but uh, a majority of us want to spend time with our friends and things like that. Uh, but fortunately, you know, where I grew up, it was, you know, hunting or fishing. It was very accessible. Yeah. So, you know, you could, you didn't have to go away for the weekend to do it. We were able to, you know, go 15, 20 minutes from the house. And, you know, we had public land that we could hunt or, you know, again, where I grew up, there was you know, a dozen lakes within 20 minutes that we could hop out on, panfish, walleye fish, you know, all sorts of different things. We have the Asabo River, which is 20 minutes from from where I grew up. So when I got into fly fishing, it was a a real easy trip to get over there. So um, it was always kind of very accessible. So, Gotcha.
0: All right. So when you, so when I was young, um, I didn't necessarily go fishing and hunting a lot, but my dad made it a point to get us outside and do a lot of hiking. We did a lot of camping growing up, and he took that opportunity to also talk to us about how places like um, state parks uh, are like funded right and how it takes a lot of volunteer hours to um, maintain any of that stuff and basically why I'm asking this question is because I'm trying to see the path that you took to get to starting the average conservationist that brand so did your dad fill you in on the importance of conservation or giving back to the outdoors
1: Indirectly, Indirectly. I would say. And, you know, he didn't necessarily make it a point to kind of use that exact wording. Yeah. But he always talked about, you know, picking up after yourself, leaving it better than you found it. You know, it's something very simple as, you know, making sure when you got out of the boat or something like that, if you had any trash that was in the boat, that it went in the dumpster, that it didn't just sit in the boat to fly away when you pull out and you're driving down the road. Right. right? Like, you know, little things like that, I think, uh, were his way of kind of conveying to, to myself and my sister, you know, take care of it, you know, because this is, this is all that we have in, in terms of the outdoors, right? Like there's not going to be another lake two miles down the road that if we ruin this one or the habitat around it, I will just hop over to this one and fish that afterwards, Right. you know? So I think that was his way of conveying, you know, taking care of the outdoors and, um, conservation.
0: Yeah. And it's not one of those things where uh, a father's going to sit down and say, all right, everybody, it's time for my weekly conservation speech. And I you know, like that, it's, <laughs> it's more along the lines of leading by example and show, you know, just through his yeah. actions, showing you the importance of, you know, the ecosystem and, and the surroundings and,
1: and and all that stuff. So, yeah. And my dad was a quiet guy. So that's he, he you, you're exactly right. They're leading more by example than and kind of verbalizing it right
0: right all right so as as the years go on and you get out of that uh, you know sports high school social uh, girls type of uh, pattern in your life and you maybe start making your way into college did 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 the social life continue into college or did you, uh, start to pick up hunting then or was, when did hunting become introduced to you?
1: Good question. So I started hunting, uh, again, at a, probably my early teens, um, started, uh, with upland bird hunting, waterfowl hunting. Okay. Um, uh, my dad was real big into waterfowl hunting, uh, just as I was kind of coming into my teenage years, early teens. So did some some waterfowl hunting with him, and um, after that uh, more upland hunting, which kind of did that through high school um, primarily pheasants and sprinkled quail. in some deer hunting y- yeah pheasants quail exactly okay. um, and sprinkled in some some deer hunting in there as well um, and you know with deer hunting, it was I would say probably like most kids that are you know thirteen fourteen fifteen years old is you know, my dad or my uncle was doing all the legwork, yeah. doing all the scouting, and it was, "Hey, sit here till dark. I'll come get you." Type of thing, right? Where I didn't, I didn't have any type of knowledge other than if it's got horns, shoot it, kind of kind of thing, right? So, and then to your question, um, as I got into college, I would say the the trajectory for girls parties, friends was ratcheted up even more because I played sports in college. So I didn't have any, any kind of free time, right. And, and going away for the first time from home and being exposed to, to all these different things, um, hunting was the last thing on my mind. Yeah. And I would say that, yeah, I spent four and a half years at school. So I would say probably mid twenties. I would say it's probably when I got kind of back into it, when things started to come full circle, let's say. Okay. All right. So, um,
0: then did it, I did hunting hit you and fishing hit you like a hammer to where that's all you thought about or, uh, did, 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 did you trickle into it or I don't know? Cause, cause for me, when I fell in love with bow hunting I just cannonballed into it. And I've been basically just continuing to cannonball every single year. I feel like that's the only thing I think about. It's the only hobby I have. Um, I like doing some fishing and some other stuff outside with, with the fan, but it's all secondary to deer hunting. Uh, is, is that how it is now compared to when you, when you started or was there, a Ups and downs and ebbs and flows in, into the the hunting and fishing lifestyle that is, I guess, your life now.
1: Yeah, so I would say it was a bit more of a gradual process. Um, so, ten, so my dad passed away ten years ago um, from cancer. So I think that was what really kind of sparked the the passion for being back outdoors or kind of or rekindled it, I should say, because I, I, I've always had it. But it was it had kind of gone away there through the, you know, the late teens, early 20s when I was in college. Um, and, you know, going through that whole process, it, it brings back a lot of, you know, memories from your, kid, from your childhood and, and things that you loved so much and things that you had so much fun doing. And there was, you know, one common theme, and it was outdoors, hunting or fishing or, you know, even camping with the entire family like that was what it was. So I would say 10 years ago, as I started to, to get back into it a little bit and I didn't have, you know, without, without my father, I didn't have that, that sounding board, that, that guy I could talk to, to, to ask these questions like, Hey, you know, just general questions, hunting questions that I took for granted as a kid, because he was always there to answer these questions. Right. Right. Okay. So the learning curve was a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Now, I still had some knowledge, and then obviously now with the way social media, YouTube, all that stuff is, I mean, you can you can look stuff up really for the most part on anything that you, you kind of want to know tactic-wise and things like that. But 10 years ago, it wasn't quite as, as prevalent. So started to kind of get back into it really more with like fly fishing. Um, I had all of his old fly fishing equipment um, and remembered enough on how to do that. And then with hunting, thankfully, uh, my brother-in-law is just as obsessed with with hunting as I am. So he, uh, once we quickly learned that about one another, um, it was a pretty easy transition to dive to dive right <laughs> back in after you know a few years of of uh, talking to him and talking hunting and strategy and things like that. And my in-laws have property that he hunted with his dad growing up with my father-in-law for the longest time. So I would say, yeah, probably close to 10 years ago, I started, um, hunting with him, you know, almost exclusively. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you what, I'm glad I, well, I I'm speaking for my wife at this point, but if my brother had the same passion for the, for hunting and fishing that I do, he's like really into golf and and sports. So he does his thing and he doesn't hunt at all. And, uh, if we had the same interest in hunting, it would be bad for my, <laughs> for for <laughs> his family and my family. There, there might even be a good chance we're, we weren't even, we wouldn't even be married at this point, or or have any kids because we it's, would we would just fall <laughs> into a like this cavern of hunting and just not ever come out of it.
1: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because my wife feels that exact same way <laughs> because it seems you know and especially like last year um uh my in-laws just purchased a new piece of property um so it was you know like a kid in a candy store exploring all this area trying to make game plans figure out you know where the deer are bedding where they're feeding you know what type of routes they're using through the property looking at all the terrain features you know everything that you do when you're out scouting yeah so it became you know, obsessive for my brother, my brother-in-law and I, and it was the last thing she wanted to hear about, you know, (laughs) we'd be texting each other at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Hey, I just had this thought or this idea about where we can put a a tree stand or, you know, this trail camera or or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And yeah, she just gets so tired of hearing (laughs) hearing about it all the time, especially once you get, you know, August, September, when you're, you know, knocking on the door of, of archery season starting, it's, yeah, we we're we're not very much fun to be around if you don't want to talk about hunting.
0: That's right, that's right. Uh, I've I've learned how to curve that. Um, I I and I think a lot of it had to do with this podcast. To where if I didn't have this podcast, I would be talking to my wife because she's the only other adult I see on a daily basis about <laughs> hunting and fishing and all that stuff, and she would probably you know i'm glad i have this outlet for her sake as well so
1: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely for your for her sake for your marriage sake yeah right,
0: right i might even need a therapist i wonder if there is a hunting therapist out there if not that's kind of a good idea
1: i mean there's sports psychologists there should be a hunting psychologist yeah. you know if you've got the you know if you've got real bad uh, buck fever or something someone you can talk to to try to calm your nerves
0: right right if you are a hunting psychologist or a hunting therapist please reach out to me uh on instagram or facebook there i wonder (laughs) if i'll get anybody anybody back any uh, messages back but all right so you're you're an avid you're avid right now the word's avid right Uh, fly fishing hunting fishing Are, are you uh leaving michigan to go hunt out west or in other states
1: So that's one thing I haven't ventured into. Um, It's definitely high on my priority list. Um, You know, an elk hunt out west uh, or a mule deer hunt out west. Um, It just – nothing has materialized up to this point, but that's definitely something that's on my radar in the near future.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you what, just be careful because once you get into doing the travel hunting, it's – it's an abyss, man. You're going to start looking at the state next to it, and the state next to that one, and then you're going to be looking at tags and points and all this stuff, and then it just even consumes you more than your typical. Hey, it's November whitetail hunt. You know what I mean? It it's it gets crazy right. real fast. Well, yeah,
1: and that's that's the thing. I have uh, I have some buddies growing up who um, they've spent the last. Three years, I think it is, uh, out in Colorado doing an elk hunt. Um, I have a friend who lives out in Colorado, who uh, from Michigan here, who is is just kind of started really getting back into hunting uh, since living out there. He shot his first uh, mule deer last year, spot and stalk, just this beautiful velvet muley. And I was when I was out in Colorado uh, a few weeks ago, I was I was talking to him, and he's already telling me. You know, here's where we're going to apply. I'll call you. You can put in for points. You know, if you do it as a group, you've got a better chance of, of getting a tag and stuff like that. So I've, I have a feeling I'm, I'm halfway there right now.
0: Yeah. All right. I want to talk now about the Average Conservationist. And uh, first off, just really high level, tell us what the Average Conservationist is. What is that brand?
1: Yeah. The Average Conservationist uh, is an apparel company. Um, right now I make hats, t-shirts and sweatshirts that promote wildlife conservation. Um, so a lot of our designs, things like that will feature, um, some of the things that, that I love to do in the outdoors or that just what a lot of people love to do in the, out- uh, excuse me, the outdoors. So you'll see, uh, if you, if you look at the website, uh, we've got a white tail tee, uh, especially being here in the Midwest, white tail hunting is, is kind of tops, uh, and then you know for the western people uh, we've got an elk tee, we've got a fly fishing key uh, and so there's there, there's really kind of something for everyone uh, at this point, and there's definitely a lot more to come um, and then really, I think what separates or what stands out about the company is we we donate ten percent of all sales back to conservation
0: yeah and I'll, and i'll I'll say this that i've had um, a lot of company uh, apparel companies reach out to me and want to be a partner on the podcast and just you know just I I don't I mean some good companies don't get me wrong but just nothing that really kind of stuck out to me and then Mm -hmm. when you reached out and said hey man I got this apparel company I you know I I I look at you know the clothing and, and the stuff that you guys offer really awesome stuff but What sold me was exactly what you just said, and that was giving 10% back to conservation uh, profits, you know, whatever, to conservation efforts. Now, before we go further to that, I want to ask you why. Why did you start this company?
1: Truthfully, I just wanted to make a difference. Um, Going back to, to kind of what we had talked about um earlier with with my upbringing in the outdoors and kind of what what made me fall in love with it and you know the fishing the, the hunting the, the things with my dad I wanted to be able to make sure that you know my kids have that opportunity that their kids and their kids kids have have this opportunity to enjoy you know the the outdoors and without conservation groups and you know people who are are leading the charge for conservation you know the the likelihood of this much land and, and water and things to recreate on are are not going to be there so that was what i wanted to do is kind of put my money where my mouth was in terms of giving back to conservation yeah so um i mean i've always kind of had a thing for a cool t-shirt or a hat or a sweatshirt um so it seems like a, a good avenue to go down. Um, you know, I, I love the outdoors and I, I would really love to have, have worked. I really wanted to work in the outdoor industry um, and, and being in the Midwest, especially in Michigan, you know, there's not really um, a ton of outdoor jobs or, or jobs in the outdoor field. So I just, I had this idea, um, talked to my wife about it and, you know, she was super supportive um, with it and, and, you know, eventually one day we just we just said, okay, we're we're gonna go for it, right? And then it just started snowballing from there, and you, you start doing the research and, and you know building the website and, and start looking at designs and all that, and you know, eight months later, you know, we were we were launching the website. So
0: that's awesome. So apparel, right? Ten percent goes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, What are some of the, real quick, name some of the, you don't have to name all of them, but uh, the last couple uh, organizations that you donated money to.
1: So we, the company launched in late August of 2019. um, And our our first contribution went to backcountry hunters and anglers um, with all that they do for, you know, fighting for public lands, public waters, and our access. uh, That was kind of an easy one for me um, to donate to. Um, my next, um, donation, uh, it's looking like we'll probably go to, to QDMA, um, just given how much I love whitetail hunting. It's, uh, it's a pretty easy choice. Um, uh, but then also groups like, um, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, um, the TRCP companies that, uh, while T or excuse me, RMEF and QDMA are a bit more, um, animal specific, Groups like uh, BHA and TRCP are, are fighting for, you know, all land, all all water, right. and kind of all species and, and things like that. So those are some, some of the ones that I plan to donate to.
0: That's awesome. All right. So the name, Average Conservationist, where did that come from? And then maybe elaborate on who or what is an average conservationist.
1: Yeah. First off, it's a mouthful. I, I I do realize that, and believe me, I've heard had enough people <laughs> tell me like, I'm "Gonna come up with something a little bit shorter or a little bit easier to say." Um, but really, where it came from was where I was at with my life prior to starting this company. Was I was an an average conservationist. I would you know spend, especially once the fall came out, spend my weekends deer hunting. Um, you know, you're buying your tags. You're you love the outdoors but you don't have really enough time to, to spend, or, you know, you're just, you're doing it when you can, you have family, you have a job. I mean, there's, everyone has, has a life and and sometimes hunting or fishing can take a bit of a back seat. but that's the majority of outdoors men and outdoors women, in my opinion. And what, you know, us as average outdoorsmen or average conservationists do for conservation in terms of money raised, Donations, things like that, I think is something that kind of goes under the radar a little bit. you know if you've got um, a large conservation group that's maybe you know 30, 40,000 members across the country is it's that's BHA or you know that's RMEF or that's that's kind of the, the group as a whole, whereas I wanted to focus on the members inside the group. you know all the average outdoorsmen, outdoors women who make up these groups um, and that's really where the name stemmed from.
0: Okay. And is, is the term average conservationist, I mean, you just kind of said that it's something that, you know, we do just from buying our tags and going out and and hunting and living that lifestyle, but you uh, are kind of living above that doing what you're doing, right? You started a company, right? It's, it's, it's not a not-for-profit. You are making some kind of income, but you're leading by example by donating that 10%. So did you know right off the bat that you were going to give 10%? Like when you had this business plan, I don't care what the business is. I'm going to give, I'm going to give X amount to conservation.
1: Yeah, actually I did. That was part of that was from that was in the plans from from the get go. To be gotcha. honest, um, it was just for me. It was a way to one again, like I said before, was was make a difference in the outdoors community. But also, there's there's not necessarily a lot of companies that are giving ten percent of their profits back to conservation or one um, percent. I'm, I'm not a or any yeah. percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. And those and you know these are companies that we. We support, yes. you know, we we buy from them, and just because they don't donate doesn't mean we don't think they're not a good company or that they don't have a good product uh, or anything like that. It's just that's what I, I wanted to really show my commitment for this company for for the outdoors for conservation.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I had a uh, I had a talk with. I'm not going to throw any any uh, companies under the bus here, but. Um, I talked with uh, Nick, Nick Penizzato from the national, he's a CEO of the National Deer Alliance. And he was having this conversation uh, with me and uh, he was talking to some of the bigger names in the hunting industry, as far as a, maybe like a recognizable brand that you, you might know. And he was telling me that these guys, these guys don't even spend $1 donating back. Some of the, some of them, not all of them, some of them don't even spend $1 dollar back to conservation efforts and their entire income is based off of people who hunt right so you know a, a product that you use to kill a deer right and they're not giving anything back that kind of just blows my mind and that that just almost turns me off about that brand a little bit does that make sense
1: no it makes complete sense and and I mean to be honest that's kind of hard to believe that they're that there is companies out there that, you know, even if it's not like 1% or, or 2% or anything like that, but, you know, not donating anything right back to, to conservation or back to these groups that their customers are supporting or that their customers are right. members of. Yeah. That's, that that's hard to believe, especially, you know, I, I tend to think that the hunting community is kind of tight knit in terms of, uh, we're all after the same thing in terms of, you know, um, leaving things better than we found it and making sure that we're preserving everything that's out there so yeah that's very surprising right so
0: another conversation i had was with uh, jared he he runs two percent for conservation the sportsman's nation is a two percent for conservation certified company that means that we give in some way shape or form one percent of our income to a not you know back to conservation and 1% of our time, which is roughly is 21 hours, uh, out of an entire year. And, you know, he was telling me about some of the other companies who he wants, you know, he, he's talking with some of these companies, wants to get a commitment and all they want to do is just write a check and big checks are great. Don't get me wrong. They, they can go a long ways, but the volunteer hours, the boots on the ground, have an equal you know a similar equal just as good of an impact than a a big fat check would be so aside from donating ten percent are you adv- also advocating like getting your hands dirty, getting your boots on the ground trying to do something more than than just ten percent to a company
1: yeah so it it I'm glad that you brought up the the two percent for conservation um certified set because that is something that I'm actually um, working on right now to become 2% certified. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, I first um, kind of read about 2% for conservation uh, maybe a year ago or so. I wasn't familiar with it um, before that, and I started looking into it and seeing what it was, and I thought it was just a great idea. Um, and, and to answer your question is, is that something that I'm putting a bigger focus on for me is boots on the ground is, is actually getting my hands dirty, uh, making sure that when organizations have, um, cleanups or anything like that, that I'm definitely getting involved. But then also, you know, as easy as, you know, picking up trash at a trailhead, um, you know, habitat improvement, even if it's on my own land, you know, things like that to, to better, um, the, the habitat. Right. So,
0: you know, buying tags is awesome um do you think do you do you think there is a message out there that would get people excited to be more involved let's say at a local level and i'm just you know i we don't need to talk about the where the average conservationist stands on this but just kind of your opinion about what do you think needs to be done to get someone who is a you know, uh, buys their hunting license, buys their fishing license, goes hunting and fishing a handful of times a year, and then, you know, that's that's really it. How do we get those people excited about volunteering? And it's, you know, hard to swallow sometimes, but maybe giving up, um, you know, a check for 20 bucks every now and then back to a a local conservation effort.
1: That's a great question. Uh, I think what you need to do is is appeal to what they love about whether it's hunting um, or fishing or or anything like that is I think you need to you need to do a little bit of legwork to have the greatest impact to figure out what you know what motivates these these weekend warriors not even weekend warriors but you know the 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 person who's who's getting out like you said four or five times a year um, or the, the hunter who maybe in Michigan with, with firearm season as big as it is, you know, that might be the only time that, that someone hunts all year is those two or three, you know, opening day, then maybe the day or two afterwards. And maybe it's because it's a it's a family tradition. Right? They've their dad did it, you know, so they do it. So maybe appealing to to that. And and I realize there's not going to be one, I guess, blanket answer or one blanket reason as to why or what's going to appeal to that person. Right. But I think you need to do a little bit of legwork to, to try to figure out what, you know, what these people love about being outdoors.
0: Right. Right. And then just finding what their passion is and taking that first step. Because I, I will tell you this from, from experience, knowing that, how do I put this? When I when I became two percent for conservation uh, certified, I had to put in twenty one hours throughout the year, and in my busy life, right, three kids, wife, full time job, and at that point, I had a full time job and I was running the Sportsman's Nation. So so time like any leftover time was precious, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, I have to I have to put in this time, and. I didn't want, I, I really didn't want to do it. So I forced myself to go and do it, right? Picking up trash, right? Doing some additional work with um, some other companies to help them them out. Um, and when I was done with that, and I finally, you know, for me, it was finally getting that 2% for conservation um, appro- you know, uh, certification. I felt so grateful. And then I looked back at that those tasks that I had to do. And I said, you know what, that really wasn't so bad. I made a big hoopla about nothing. And, and it was very, very rewarding on the back end. And I think that if, if more people can just take that very small step, it looks like a big step, but it's actually a very small step into donating time to something uh, it's it can, it's going to be rewarding, not only for yourself, but for whoever you're helping as well. And it, then you can say that you've actually given back and, and that's something to brag about if, uh, you know, if you're asking me,
1: no, I agree completely. Sometimes I, I compare, you know, volunteering your time like that almost to like working out. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you ever you know, want to get up in the morning, go to the gym or, or do whatever it is and you just but you do it and then you feel, you feel much better afterwards. Right. And that's kind of how, you know, volunteering what free time that you may have is, is, you know, spend an hour, you spend two hours picking up trash or whatever the case may be. And then when you're done, you know, and there's, and with like picking up trash, for example, I mean, there's, there's a tangible, you know, result, or there's a, there's a different, you can see the difference that you made in two hours by picking up trash. So, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about that.
0: Right. So what what's your goal moving forward with the average conservationist as a brand or just conservation in general? What's your like maybe personal goals and then I guess the, the company goals or the brand
1: goals? Yeah, so for I would say for this year for twenty twenty, I mean twenty nineteen was a was a very short year for me and it only, you know, really September through the end of the year. Um, so looking at twenty twenty as my first full calendar year, uh, being in business. Uh, I mean, really w- some of the goals are, you know, I, I want to make sure we get 2% certified, uh, throughout the course of this year. Um, I, I would like to continue to, to make some really, um, good lasting connections in the outdoor industry. I mean, I've been following, uh, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Some of these people in the outdoor industry. Um, so to continue to make connections with, with like-minded people, um, uh, with companies that have the, um, the same views on conservation, um, and then to, to, to donate, um, I, I I hate to put a a monetary number out there because it, it, but you know, to donate, um, $2,500 to conservation throughout the course of the year.
0: Yeah and that's a big that's a great I mean that's a big number when you think about it Uh, coming from a small company and it's not Mm -hmm. like you're making it rain every single day with a startup like this you know (laughs) what I mean like that's a that's a big contribution and I'm telling you whoever gets that money is going to be grateful and knowing that you've worked hard for that is uh Is going to be rewarding. And let me just tell everybody who's listening to this right now to go to the average com and buy a shit ton of hats and clothing. Because when you do, you're not only going to look like a badass, but you're going to feel like a badass because you just bought a product that directly supports conservation efforts. So there's, there's my plug for you right there.
1: Thank you. And you know, it, well, the thing is with, with the, the hats and, and – and, or excuse me, with the T-shirts and the sweatshirts is one of the things that I really wanted to stress when I started this company was a quality T-shirt or mm-hmm. a quality hat or sweatshirt or something like that because, I, you know, like I said earlier, like I got to think for, for a good T-shirt, for a soft T-shirt. Yes. Um, so going through the whole process, um, you know, I've I've got so many sample T-shirts kind of floating around the house of ones that, you know – Ordered them, didn't like them, ordered them, didn't like them, ordered them. Ah, that's better, but not quite there. So I've, I've really, we've put in the time to make sure that the shirts are, you know, top quality, that they're going to have that, you know, real warning feel from the time that you get it yeah. and the sweatshirts, you know, the same way. And right. I know you got some stuff the other day, so hopefully you can attest to that as well.
0: yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for a good t-shirt, right? I get, I get a lot of hunting, uh, apparel sent to me and sometimes it's just Mm -hmm. a there that company's logo on like a fruit of a loom t-shirt not soft it it takes about six years for the for for the shirt to be broken (laughs) in properly to where it it sets good on you and whatnot these are those higher end t-shirts that are the they're softer they they have a better fit and, uh, uh, I'd love, and I love the designs too. Uh, I'll tell you right now that oh, thank you. I have one of I have a new, I can't, I can't say it too loud cause my old favorite hats in the same room as me, but, <laughs> but that, the, the fixed hat with the broad head on it, the camo with the patch on it. Yeah. Uh, it's called the fixed hat. I believe camo version of it. Yep. Yep. Dude, that's a yep. sick hat. Uh, that's a sick ass. Oh, hat.
1: Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's been one of our, since I came out with that, um, probably, gosh, what was that? Might have It must have been during archery season, because I, re, I remember wearing it yeah. when I was in the tree stand, uh, but yeah, it's been a, an extremely popular um, hat, and I was really happy with the way it turned out.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that that hat is going to go with me to a lot of places on a lot of hunts, and I might use my, uh, you know, use my position of where I'm at in life if I get blood on that one, I might hit you up for another one, because I want I want my 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 hunting hat, and then I want my quote unquote church hat, where you can go out in public and there's not blood and fish guts and and stuff all over it. <laughs> so,
1: well, that's that's why we have the that's why I have the uh, the formal version of right. that hat as well, where it's uh, it's navy blue, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the same leather patch on it, but. No, absolutely. You know I got you
0: covered. <laughs> so as far as um, you know, you got you got hats, you got t-shirts, uh, you got a, a hoodie. What uh, what other products are you thinking about? I guess adding to your lineup in maybe in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one or whenever.
1: Well, for this year, it's you'll it'll just it'll still be those three um, core items, but you'll see some. Uh, some new designs, um, you'll see some different variations of hats. Right now, everything that I have um, is is pretty much like your, your trucker style hat. Um, I actually just posted uh, something on Instagram yesterday where some of uh, one of our new unstructured hats with actually that same broadhead um, design on it just came in. So I've got to get those up onto the website. Uh, I've got some more uh, unstructured hats coming in um, in the next week or two. Um, that'll have um, our, the, just the average conservationist logo on there. Uh, I've got uh, a new T-shirt design that's coming out uh, probably in the next, oh gosh, I'd say week, maybe two. Um, and that one's going to be a little bit different um, than, than what you're used to seeing on the website where a lot of the stuff now is one, maybe two colors, or maybe it's just um, like a, a white color. Um, but this one's gonna have a little bit more pop to it in terms of color. Um, so something a little bit different there. Uh, but then you know honestly, I have a, a whole book of ideas for for designs and things like that. so you'll definitely see a lot of um, new designs roll out in 2020.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now you in 2020, uh, what do you got lined up for the uh, the road show or or hunting and fishing wise?
1: Well, I mean, whitetail obviously is going to consume the better part of October and November for me here in Michigan. Um, I'm thinking if I play my cards, right, I'll be able to slide out to Colorado for seven to 10 days in September. Oh yeah. Uh, at least that's, that's kind of what I'm tentatively planning right now. Um, thankfully we have really good friends who live in Denver so we can kind of make it a family trip and I can slide away for, you know, for a week or something like that. Um, and then fishing wise, luckily, you know, here in Michigan, we have some great fisheries that are, you know, within a couple hour drive. And I have a lot of family that lives in Northern lower Michigan. Um, so it gives me an excuse to see them, gives me an excuse to get up there fishing. Uh, and then I always try to get out West, um, again, probably usually to Colorado, um, to do some fly fishing, um, throughout the course of like spring into the summer as well. Awesome. So that's kind of, that's what's in store. Um, no huge, crazy plans, but I'm really excited about the potential of uh of the elk hunt.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, man, I, and I I know you have a a a, a shirt with a t or an, with an elk on it, and mm-hmm. I have this weird feeling about I don't feel that I should wear a t shirt with an elk or mule deer on it until I kill an elk or a mule deer. Um, but I have friends who call me stupid when I say that and they're just like, dude, it's just a t-shirt. But I feel like, I feel like I need to hunt more than three years for an elk before I have the right to, uh, to, I guess, go and wear an elk t-shirt. Am I crazy or does that make sense?
1: No, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily not wear it because I haven't killed an elk or because in your case you haven't killed an elk, Yeah. but I know that, uh, that feeling, I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, extremely accomplished, um, big game hunters out there. Right. right and right. you've been at it for, what do you say? Three years now, um, chasing elk and you haven't been able to, to harvest one yet. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any shame of wearing an tee I mean, at least people know that you're an elk hunter this way.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. At least I'm trying, right? Exactly. (laughs) So, okay, I'll wear it. I'll I'll start wearing them. At least the one, the one that you sent me, I'll wear it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) obviously I got the whitetail thing covered, right? I've I've got a couple of those under my belt. Of course. So, um, other than that, anything else that you want to share about the average conservationist with the listeners?
1: um, I mean, just know that when, you know, you're buying a hat or a t-shirt that, you know, you're supporting a small business, you're supporting conservation, um, and there's, there's a lot of good being done with, with just the purchase um, of a t-shirt yeah, or, or a hat or a sweatshirt, and it's, you know, it's a small investment, um, so, you know, it's, it's not like you're breaking the bank, and it makes a great birthday gift, you know, Christmas gift, uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's it's a low cost investment to, to support conservation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Marcus, I really appreciate uh, the support. I really appreciate the time uh, that you took to hop on the episode this this episode today. So thank you very much. And thank you very much for what you are doing with the average conservationist.
1: No problem, Dan. I uh, I appreciate you having me on.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Marcus for hopping on and chatting with me today. Thank you very much for your support. And uh, for all of you that want to know where you can go get some of these kick-ass hats, you can go to TheAverageConservationist.com. He's doing really good things uh, with the money that he's making over there. So go and support that company, again, because they support me. And, uh, you know, it all comes full circle, and I'm trying to give back on top of that as well. So I'm not just over here just trying to collect a check. I'm I'm trying to give back to hunting every single day that I do this and um, pairing with a company like uh, the Average Conservationist uh, makes that a little bit easier. So huge shout out to all the other partners of this podcast. We are talking about Vortex, obviously the Average Conservationist, Prime Ozonics wasp and lone wolf please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because i've already told you why other than that go to itunes make sure you are subscribed to the nine finger chronicles podcast and the sportsman's nation podcast hell subscribe to the entire lineup whether you you know tons of great content i'm telling you tons of great content Uh, spread the wealth share tell your friends about it and make sure you're following along on social media obviously Instagram and Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles. I think that's it. Hopefully everybody has a great week, a great Monday. And when you can think about how you can give back to hunting.